Welcome to the Athletes Mindset Academy podcast, where we help gymnastics coaches and parents develop happy, healthy athletes who know how to win. Let's get started. Okay. Hey, everybody. This is Coach Ryan with Athletes Mindset Academy. And as you can see, we are joined with uh, Coach Amy. And we're also here with Sean, who is a former NFL player. Now, before I introduce Sean, I want to uh, just remind everybody that um, we at Athletes Mindset Academy, we're trying to help athletes to be able to change their mental mindset so that they can achieve their goals on and off the court. And we are honored to have Sean with us today. And we wanted to just introduce you a little bit about what he has been, or where he's been and what he's done. See, I'm messing up already. So I'm just going to go ahead with this. Uh, Sean currently lives in Arizona. He has been there uh, since 1999. Uh, prior to that, he's lived in Florida and in Tennessee. Um, growing up, Sean has played football, he's played basketball, and he's played baseball. Um, so I guess anything involving a ball, is that fair to say? <laughs> um, not hockey or wrestling or swimming or anything like that? No, Just everything team sports with a ball, but I didn't play any individual sports with a ball like tennis, unfortunately, but uh, all team stuff. Team stuff. Okay. Well, and I also have here that you attended a small Catholic high school. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I like that. Okay. Um, you won a state championship your senior year, and you got a scholarship to uh, Duke University. And at Duke University, oh, I was looking this up. Okay, now I'm going to sound super smart. Okay, 900 and, oh wait, 9,464 passing yards. That's, that was your total passing yards at Duke. I looked it up. So I was like, okay, I'm going to look super smart. So I was like, I didn't even know that. Come on. <laughs> so there you go. Um, he was drafted to the NFL in uh, 2013 by the Atlanta Falcons. There he spent three seasons and was released um, after doing to some training uh, camp. I uh, was also um, asked to work with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that was in 2017. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Oh, man. Awesome. And so um, right now you are currently um, going back to medical school. Uh, you've worked in the real estate world, underwriting, and you're hoping to still participate in some football activities. Um, is that right? Um, it's become more limited just with uh, the amount of time I have with school. But yeah, I mean, I like working with kids in any capacity, really. And obviously, it's nice to be back with football when I can make time for it. Yeah. So um, why medical school? I'm just curious. Before we get off on the sports side, I mean, you said your dad's a physician, your mother's a nurse. So you've been around, surrounded by the medical field. Um, why did you choose that? Well, it's really a long story. I, I didn't think I'd ever want to be a physician, you know, and that's saying a lot considering my dad's physician, my mom's a nurse. I've been around the medical field for a long time. Um, you know, but I really had no experience with medicine besides getting hurt through football, which I did a lot. Um, but I just did some volunteer work when I was at Duke and the children's hospital there. And that's kind of where it started. I really like being around patients, um, value those relationships, and appreciated what I watched doctors do when, when they treated children there. 
and that's kind of where it started and, and snowballed from there really. I just kept looking for volunteer experiences with patients and just overall health and well-being and, and like that and uh, did a little bit when I was playing professionally, uh, you know, on my own time. And then, you know, I talked with Amy about this earlier and I didn't know if it, that was exactly what I wanted to do um, because I had taken the science courses. There's a lot more than just taking care of people. There's lots of professions that take care of people. Um, so it was just trying to get more and more experiences, trying to take, you know, I took, got a master's degree in medical humanities and learning, you know, what it takes to become a physician and seeing if that was the right fit for me. But, you know, long story short, it was just a snowball of events. And then I finally pulled the trigger, um, you know, a couple of years after I stopped playing. Um, but it really came down to me being around patients and that patient physician relationship is what I enjoyed most about it. Wow. So are you mainly going to be working or hoping to work with children or anything yet? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I, I love working with children. Um, you know, again, my experience is, is still pretty limited despite doing a lot of volunteer work and working in a hospital setting now. I really do like working with children, but uh, I'm completely open to working with whoever, whatever it is when I get into medical school and going into it with an open mind and, you know, wherever it kind of takes me. So we'll see. I, I might end up working with children. I definitely would love doing it. Okay, I'm going to throw one out, out just, just for fun. How is your medical school, because you're not in medical school yet. You're, you've just taken the MCATs, right? You're waiting to find out where you're going, right? Correct. Yeah. So I'll be enrolling this upcoming fall. Uh, I've been very fortunate to get into a few schools. So it's just at this point deciding where to go and then, uh, but I will be enrolling this fall, but yeah, I've been very lucky. All right. So tell me, how does medical school and prepping for medical school remind you of prepping for like your pro days and, and trying to get into the NFL? Tell me a similarity between those two. Actually, there, there is a lot of similarity, a lot of overlap. Yeah. Uh, in terms of preparation, I learned uh, just a ton about preparation from the NFL, about how to prepare every single day, because, you know, you play one game a week, and you spend, you know, that game could last, you know, three or four hours, but you spend all week preparing for it, and a lot can be said the same for tests, because you take a lot of tests, especially in the sciences, and a lot of those will be the same, you're going to have one test at the end of the week, it's an hour, but you have to start, like, right when that test is over, like, and I might be a little bit odd or more of a nerd, but like right after that test is over, I'd start seeing, all right, what's the next section we have to do and start preparing. And because I knew I could take all week to prepare for that next test. Um, so it's planning, um, you know, having just the tenacity to get up early, have a routine and schedule to follow. Uh, you know, every elite athlete knows that you have to prepare in a very meticulous manner. You can't just get up when you want. You have to, you know, prepare in a very planned out manner and, and uh, have a routine. And that's what I had when I got back into school. I was 28 years old when I went back to college and I was in class with 18 year olds. And I used to see kids sitting next to me and I was like, that was me. I had no plan and just like showed up. And I, I was like, I don't know how to, I would have done this at 18 because I learned so much when I was in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a great experience, but that, that just planning and just having, um, a mindset that you know what's coming up, you just have to be ready for it. That was what helped me the most, probably through school. I love that you said as soon as one test was over, you're already getting into the next section and the next, what, what do I have to do next? Because that is essentially the life of an elite athlete, a high level athlete is as soon as the game's over, you're immediately thinking, what do I need to change for the next game? And mm -hmm. you're working on the next steps and getting prepared for what you're going to do the next day to get ready for the next game, right? 
Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I would take a little bit of a break after the test, but, you know, I'm not that crazy, but I would definitely, you know, not allow myself to take two or three days. I would, okay, I need to start planning. How am I going to approach this next one? Yeah, yeah. So as an athlete and as now preparing to become a medical student, how do you focus on the now and what's upcoming and not what went wrong or what has happened in the past because i know sometimes you just lose a game and you're like dang it and then you can't get away from that loss to move into what you need to prepare for your next win yeah and i think honestly that takes time and maturity it's taken me a long time and i still do that i think we all do anybody who's competitive and fails dwells a little bit on it. And I think that's a good, healthy part of being a competitor is to think, okay, how did I screw up? Um, being objective and then, okay, what mistakes did I made? How can I fix those? But then quickly moving on. Mm -hmm. I don't think any should, but anybody should just move on without thinking about what caused their errors, what caused their failures. They need to make an honest reflection of that. And most people do. I think the best people from my experience of watching others is they quickly and objectively assess their failures and they use somebody else as well as a coach, right? Because sometimes it's hard to see, all right, how, why did I screw up here and have somebody else to help explain them how they could have uh, avoided that failure, but then moving on quickly and then, and living in the present. That's something I struggle, still struggle with. And, you know, a lot of even older, older athletes or anybody who's a professional is always going to dwell on the past a little bit, but moving on quickly and living in the present and then, you know, again, putting a good plan together quickly. Okay. I'm going to, I'm jumping in then because I agree with you. It's, it's one of those things where you said you, you're always going to live in the past a little bit. Tell me a little bit more about how that works for you. You, you said you, most high level athletes will live in the past a little bit. In what ways do you find yourself living in the past a little bit here and there? Um, in terms of going back to like sports days or just my every day to day now, any of it. Yeah. All of it. But where do you find yourself kind of reflecting on, on the past and, and what do you mean that we're all going to kind of live in the past a little bit when we've gotten to a certain level? I, sure. I agree with you. So I'm just wondering what your, what your thoughts around that are around that. Yeah, I guess uh, now you put it like that. I often think about like, if I screwed up in the past, even playing college football, which was over five or six years ago or almost a decade now, <laughs> but um, thinking about now that I've gone through it, I should have done this differently. I should have, uh, you know, I should have thought about how I eat and I should have lost weight back then or whatever it was to be, to move quicker, whatever it was, and apply that to what I do now and think about, okay, that learning lesson that was 10 years ago, I still recall that. And now I can apply it to some new situation where I see some kind of similarities. So pu pulling on old failures, uh, and trying to learn from those even today and trying to draw similarities and say, okay, there's a little bit of overlap here. I screwed up in the past on this. So let's make sure, you know, mentally everything's mental for me now because I'm, I don't play sports anymore, but yeah. this, there's still a mental lesson to be learned from that failure and applying it now. hundred percent. I agree with you. And you find wow. yourself looking at maybe those, those kind of, like you said, some of those lessons that you we're trying to learn in the past that you're still recreating today and still trying to figure it out today. I think that's really interesting. And that's mm -hmm. one of the things that I find for a lot of, I hate the word retired athlete because in my head, I'm still an athlete. Like I still, right. Right. Like, yeah, put me out there, coach. I can do this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I do wonder how much, um, how much transfers over to what we choose to do after sports, because for me, at least, I don't ever feel the satisfaction in my everyday, I don't know, businesses and whatever I choose to do that I used to feel when I would just have like a good game for you, like a really great game or, or that big moment. I'm like, I just want to have that again. Right. So I kind of wonder how that is for you, not holding on to the past in a way that's going to negatively impact what you're doing forward, but also those moments of, man, I miss those glory days sometimes. It's just sometimes, you know, I don't know. I do. Sometimes I want to get back there and just enjoy some of that flipping time again. Right. For sure. I mean, to be an elite athlete, you know, at the level you did and stuff, you've spent so many years, it's like ingrained as part of your personality and identity. And that's part of the reason why, you know, you were so successful. And that now you'll see that in every aspect of your life. It has for me in terms of the way I compete and way I approach challenges and where I work with people. So it's, it'll always be a part of me and every athlete. I kind of wonder about that. And you said that you had done real estate and underwriting and now you're doing medical school. And in my head, it's like, we just want a little more challenge. Just give us a little more challenge. And what are we going to do for the next, once we've captured kind of one level, it's like going from the, the um, I don't know what they call it for the younger football, youth football stages to getting up to the next level, to Duke, to the NFL. It's even in medical school, you'll probably find that when you're a doctor that you can master one level, but then you're going to want another challenge. That's kind of how I see it. Oh, absolutely. It. I think every competitor is always looking for that next challenge. And that's one of the things I really liked about medicine is like you're always being pushed, right? So you have to, you're expected to get really good grades and you're expected to take the MCAT and then write it for that. You know, you get into medical school and it's a big um, accomplishment and you celebrate and then like you get your butt kicked in first year of medical school then you have to take step one, then you have to take step two, then you have to take step three. And then you, you graduate from that, you get into residency, it gets even harder and you just keep going every year gets harder and harder. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I like that fact of getting pushed everywhere, you know, every year and everything you do is you're expected to show up and give your best every day. And I love that playing is being pushed by myself, but also by my teammates to perform every day and do the best that I can. And there's, there's something fulfilling about that. Yeah. So how do you get the courage to, <laughs> to go away from the NFL where you have this big status, you're, you're on top of your game, back to college, surrounded by 18-year-olds that don't have a clue what's going on in their life? I mean, that's got to be overwhelming. I, I felt like that too. Like, am, you know, am I making the right decision going back to school? And <laughs> that was, you know, everybody's, as you're trying to find you know, transitioning and trying to find that next passion in your life, let's call it, that's, you know, it's a little bit uh, nerving to know, am, am I doing the right thing as you're going through it? Cause you're not there yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to school for me, wasn't super hard in terms of insecurity or anything. Cause mm-hmm. I knew it was the price I'd have to pay. And, and going back to school that never bothered me and, and being this, you know, in class with people a lot younger than myself. Um, I was mentally prepared to make that jump and I knew, you know, what it would entail. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was interesting. And, and another thing is when you're making a transition into something, and you know, it's gonna be a long journey is just to try to enjoy that journey. And I knew, okay, this is going to be a couple of years, you know, it'll be a little bit easier than medical school. So I'll just try to enjoy myself over these two years. And I did. Um, so it's just taking that and it, but it was, it was fun and it was funny to see those, those kids and, Thinking myself, so <laughs> thinking. Okay, I'm, I was right there. So, <laughs> did you feel any 
like regret, despair, um, depression, anything as you were making that transition? No, once I got back into school, I, I've had no regrets. So there was always a little unease to, am I doing, you know, am I, am I doing the right thing? And I never once, even though I kept asking that question, never thought to myself, I don't think I'm doing the right thing. I always, it was immediate. I know I'm doing the right thing. I just, you know, until you're, I, I wasn't even in medical school yet. I, I haven't even started the first step of the process. To me, it was like going back to everybody still deciding if, you know, they want to go into medicine. Mm. And, uh, but I never had any doubts, never went through depression when it came to going into medicine. Cause I was, you know, hundred percent convinced at that point that I was, you know, ready to take that step. But uh, before that was a little bit more challenging when I was in real estate and trying to decide, should I go back into medicine? Should I pursue this? And that was a little bit more challenging for sure. Hmm. Wow. My, my question with the transition is, was it hard to leave football? Was it hard? Yeah. To, was it hard to let go of football and then just figure out life after football? That's the part that I think most of the retired athletes are like, now what? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because if, if you're a high level athlete, um, you've only gotten there because you've excelled at every step, right? And you've made that step. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, it becomes part of your identity, it's part of your personality. Uh, and you don't set an end date, right? It's not like when you graduate from high school or college, like, okay, I know I'm gonna graduate in May and then I'm gonna get a job or whatever. It's, you know, you're trying to, for me, it was trying to make the team every day and make sure I was gonna make the team and uh, trying mm. to excel and, you know, win games that week you know, how can I help my team that week? Uh, and there was no guarantee that I was going to make it to the team the next season, but I knew, you know, I, I'm going to give everything I got this year. I'm going to try to make the team um, and fully expected to make the team and that confidence to make the team. But obviously that didn't happen. I also went through some injuries. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's for sure very difficult because nobody knows what's going to happen. Right. And then someday it could show up at your doorstep. Today was your last day. And you didn't know it. And that's so difficult to some people. And it's hard to, obviously you didn't plan for it. It's hard to let go because then you're trying to get back in. And, a lot, you know, a lot of uh, athletes really struggle with that. I think, uh, especially mentally to know, okay, well, you're never going to know is, is when you're ready to make that step of saying, okay, I'm done with sports. And it's been such a big part of your life. That's, that's like, for some people, you know, they can't even fathom, okay, what's my life going to look like after sports because they've done it their whole lives. Most, you know, a lot of high level athletes have been playing since they were little kids. And uh, when it all comes to a halt one day, you know, it's like, what do you do? And I don't think a lot of athletes have been provided with good enough resources no. to help them plan after they're done playing and how to transition into, you know, the quote real world into a profession that there is going to become uh, you know, their life's calling, their true life's calling, what they'll do for the rest of their life and spend their life doing, you know, because really when, if you're done playing at 20 and you've played for 15 years, you've spent a huge portion of your life playing sports. But if you live to your 85 years old, really it's a small portion of your life. But at the time you're done, it's been such a massive part of your life. Mm -hmm. Did you know when you were going to be done with the NFL? Did you have a, an idea that you were going to be done? Um. You know, with with my injuries and the way things were going towards the end of my career, I could kind of see that it was going to be likely coming to an end unless I got a big break. Right. We're always hoping for breaks as athletes, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and unless somebody else got hurt and I would get another opportunity. But for me, it it could it seemed that 
this could come to an end anytime within the next year or two. Um, and it kind of played out that way with my injuries and then the way our coaching change happened uh, as well. So I kind of knew, but uh, I don't think it, I think it probably happened earlier than I would have thought or I would have hoped. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I, that's probably the same case with a lot of athletes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you so, have, did you try to get, sorry, Ryan, I, I'm just fine. checking in here. Did you, when you said that you kind of transitioned into the real estate world, I kind of wondered, did you ever think about trying to get back into the NFL world before you decided on your next step? Did you have thoughts of what could I do? Were you starting to heal enough that you almost mm-hmm. felt like maybe there was another shot? Yeah, that was, that was actually part of the reason why I went into real estate. I was interested in real estate um, to begin with in terms of another profession uh, after I was done playing. And, uh, but that was also an opportunity for me to get back in. If I thought I got a call to go play again with a team, I would have gone because obviously you get one window to play professional sports. Yeah. It's a very small window and you usually only get one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I knew, hey, if I get the call to come back, I'll go back. Because um, I was released uh, fall of 2016, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't, you know, worked out for a number of teams, but didn't get picked up. So then spent about six or seven months till I got picked up by Tampa in the following um, off season. So that was a good chunk of just kind of sitting around, not having a job, just training, hoping to get picked up. That's, that's really tough. So I knew the following season, I wasn't just going to be sitting around at home, just training. I wanted to have a job and kind of get the wheel turning. If I didn't get that call, which was going to be unlikely that, okay, I can at least, you know, have taken steps in the next direction with the ability to kind of redirect if I got that call. Um, but it never happened and it was okay. You know, I kind of planned out for myself, okay, I'm moving in this direction. I'm ready to be done if, you know, that's the case. And, and you know, I, I think it was actually a good experience for me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's interesting. These are things that, you know, the general public don't think about. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, you're an athlete. You're good to go for the rest of your life. You're happy. And, you're gonna be. You're set. You got all the. Yeah, you got this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree. I, I also think though, people have transitions, career transitions, all the time that are like complete one eighties, right? They think they're gonna do this. You know, they're in school. They're not an athlete. They're in school, and you know, I'm gonna do this. They're working it for five or six years, and they're like, "This is really, I do not want to do this." Mm-hmm. And then they make a transition. You see that all the time, actually, mm-hmm. in medicine. I've met a plenty of doctors who had another career. I met one today. He was a biochemist and he's like, just actually he was a former athlete too. Uh, he was a soccer player and, uh, and he was a biochemist, but he played soccer. He had to go through that transition, went into biochemistry and then realized he didn't like that. And then he transitioned into medical school. But I think there's people all the time. I think certainly athletes go through that, but other people go through that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So in, in the sports world, what was one of your biggest challenges while you were playing football, either college or NFL, that you faced and how did you mentally bring yourself out of that challenge? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. One of the biggest challenges, I think, was having a good balance. Um, you know, you hear all the time of having a work-life balance, but you don't think of a sports-life balance. So much of really competitive athletes, their entire you know, like I said, a personality identity is so wrapped up in sports that it's very, very difficult for them to have an identity besides sports. What else are you known for? For me, I always, that was something I struggled with. I didn't want to be always known as 
just the quarterback or the football player wanting to be known for something else, being a good student, uh, doing volunteer work, you know, giving back, things like that. Um, so that was a big struggle for me is trying to find time away from sports because I was so wrapped up in sports. I wanted to be, you know, the best player on our team and I wanted to win all of our games. You know, it's not possible. That was always my goal. Um, and in order to do that at a really high level, you have to spend a lot of time with the sport. You just have to. I mean, Amy knows to be a high-level gymnast, this girl spend hours, can be countless hours in the gym doing lots of routines because that's what it takes to be a high-level gymnast. Same thing with being a professional football player. It takes a lot, a lot of time uh, to reach that level of skill. And again, it's finding time away from football to relax, enjoy yourself have other hobbies, have other life experiences and, and making sure you allow yourself to do those things. So when you obtained what we would call the title or the status of an NFL player, did it change you? Um, I would say in the, in the regards actually more positively made me more professional in terms of the way I approach things. Cause I started thinking more about all the other parts that go with football, like the nutrition the mindset, preparing yourself to show up every single day. Um, that was a little bit different. I obviously did that at Duke, but it was taken to a whole different level. I started doing it professionally because I could spend all my time. And again, that goes back to the, the you know sport life balance is I spent uh, pretty much all my day now focused on football, which was great because I love doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but starting to analyze every part of my game, analyzing, you know, how I ate, you know, how I slept surprisingly, like you know, the, the pillows I use, just the littlest stuff I started to analyze. Uh, and that was really changed my entire mindset. And it's really affected me even today, how I study, uh, how I take my time, how I prepare for tests, all those things, and how I deal with people. I started analyzing every little bit about, you know, how I approach things. Wow. And so if you, okay, I've got, this is a personal question. How about this one? Um, So when you're like, when you're a professional NFL player, was it difficult to ask for help in any, in any aspect? I mean, like I would see a a, a professional NFL player as the Superman indestructible um, you got everything going for you. You couldn't possibly need anything. So what was it like to humble yourself enough to say, Hey, I need help with this. Yeah. Again, I think it comes with age and maturity. I thought I definitely had, uh, you know, trouble asking people early on, like my rookie year, if you're just trying not to screw up and you're trying not to get noticed in a negative way, and it's hard to ask for help. Um, but I was actually like very quickly, amazed by the fact that like these vets who are uh, a couple of them who will no doubt be hall of famers were so quick to ask coaches for feedback even ask younger players hey what'd you think of that route what'd you think about this this pass this placement whatever it was they were always looking for feedback and i was so impressed by that um like one of my favorite players of all time was is Devin hester who i played with in atlanta for a couple seasons and he was like the epitome of somebody who's always looking to get better very humble guy 
and he's set tons and tons of records in the NFL. He's considered probably one of the most dynamic players in the NFL history. And he was always looking for feedback and asking even younger guys, because he was transitioning sometimes between different positions at receiver and asking how he could do things better. Uh, and after like just observing that, it made me less hesitant to ask people for questions because you could see the guys who are the best at what they do are always asking questions, always looking for feedback, no matter who it's from. So having that example set for me helped. But I think, it, again, it comes with age and experience. You see young kids all the time who are very hesitant to ask questions because either they you know, don't want to be embarrassed for whatever reason or they're afraid the person's going to say something to them that's that uh, you know might offend them or something like that. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a, a mistake I made is is not knowing obviously when to ask questions, but then not asking enough questions. Mm. I love that. I think a lot of athletes just want to do whatever the coach says. Like, yes sir, yes sir, got it. Right? Yeah, oh yeah, for just sure. And you don't want to say too much because, you, like you said, you don't want to be noticed as somebody who's not getting it or being told to do something and you're not doing it the way that they're asking you to do it. That's definitely something that I didn't want. I didn't want anybody to think I wasn't doing what they were asking. And I didn't want to ask too many questions. So I agree with you. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Questions. You know, and, and, and it depends on having a good coach too, right? Cause some coaches I've had experiences with them aren't, uh, you know, open to, they don't want to hear questions. They just, just do it. I said, do it. So just do it. And I was like, always the one who's asking, why are we doing this? Not because I was questioning the coach, because it would help me learn the process. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we running this play? And if I got to hear our offensive coordinator or whatever, explain we're running this play because this, you know, defensive end is one of their worst players. And we have a good opportunity to pin him down and get in around and it helped me start thinking differently about preparing for games. Well, why are we doing things? And then I could eventually, like by the time I was a senior at Duke is, is make adjustments or, you know, call plays, the freedom to call plays and understand why I was doing things rather than just being told, do this. I couldn't, somebody who doesn't understand what they're doing, like can't make adjustments very easily because they just know to do one thing, but somebody understands conceptually what's going on around them is, is much more likely to adapt quicker and easier. Well, and I think that's such a great skill to have going into the medical field as a doctor too. Why are we doing this? Don't be afraid to ask questions from people who are seasoned and people who are not because everybody has their different perception on it which is just going to make you a better doctor and uh, knowing that you're going to make mistakes obviously with patients with people with uh, interactions with relationships but at the same time asking questions is going to make those mistakes uh, minimal I I would think as far as being able to figure out how to correct it quicker absolutely yeah you have to understand you know from the little I've observed you have to be able to understand stuff conceptually in medicine and one thing i've really liked about medicine is physicians have not been hesitant at all to answer questions if you say hey why do you do this or how does this work they'll even if they don't have that much time they'll try to commit as much time as they can to you to say we do it this way because of a or b or whatever it is and they want to teach people that that's like expected of physicians is to teach those who want to learn the profession you know as part of their hippocratic oath in is to be able to teach those who want to learn learn the art um so i really enjoy that aspect too and, and that's why you know i like sports in a lot of uh, regards is because you're always working with teammates who are willing to teach you you know something that I became very good at they're willing to quickly teach you you know whatever they do to get good at that hmm. 
gonna all those lessons did you find that it was easier to ask questions the higher level you got in sports as far as like getting onto the nfl was it easier to ask coaches questions at that level because i know at the lower club level even the higher club level as you're getting up to the collegiate sport i i just kind of was curious for you what that experience is for you was it easier to to be more open and upfront and say hey like i know my skill set i know what i got and i want to understand where you're coming from was it easier as you got to the higher levels yeah, I, th I think so for sure. Obviously, in terms of your teammates, but also for your coaches, your coaches, which I quickly learned is so much different. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not necessarily your peers, but they see eye to eye with you like, okay, we both have the same objective here. We want you to do well because it helps me uh, as a coach. And they're willing to have those discussions, you know, more readily and more openly because they realize the same thing I just said. If you if I understand their offense conceptually better then I'll probably be willing to, or not willing, but able to adjust on the fly and do things that they want like quicker and easier. And they, that's basically what they do all off season is answering those questions, learning how they can improve. I really liked at least the coaching staffs I was with in Atlanta. I was very fortunate. They were very open to feedback and teaching, you know, people why they do things rather than just kind of telling them, like you said, just do this. Don't ask questions. They're always open to questions. And that's certainly help me to see, okay, this coach is very open to questions. So I could freely ask him, you know, kind of when it was appropriate, any questions I had. Hmm. I have right. a, right, I'm going to shift this a little bit. Thank you, Sean. I was curious about all that. That's just my own curiosity. But as far as um, the idea that you said that there wasn't, there isn't a lot of um, transition help from higher level sports to what's the next step. I a hundred percent agree with you just learning how to be a, a human being without this constant expectation of this thing outside of you that we think is just part of us. In fact, mm -hmm. I've talked to some athletes where I'm like, what would your life be like without this sport? And they're like, there's no life <laughs> without the sport. What are you talking about? Like that doesn't mm -hmm. even compute. Right. Um, but the sports life balance, I love that phrase that you've used a few times. What would you, do you have any ideas of, um, I guess just as far as solutions to that, because that's one thing that I definitely struggled with myself. I guess I say I still struggle with it, but that um, is a difficult transition for a lot of higher level athletes where they, they feel lost. When you said there isn't a lot of help in that way, do you think it's because we're so past focused and it hinders our future, uh, our creativity of what's still up ahead for us and, and what we can think about in the future? One of our thoughts is sometimes athletes can be very past focused, which you talked about a little bit, which doesn't necessarily serve your future sometimes. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think that a lot of athletes struggle with that because they're young, right? A lot of them are coming up young as in high school and college. And even in the pros, when you're early twenties, you, you really don't have that many life experiences. You don't have people, um, you have people, you know, kind of guiding you, but you, you like your thought isn't your thoughts usually day to day, week to week, mm -hmm. if you're lucky, month to month. So you're not like thinking about those transitions, like you said. That's like the, not even in your brain, right? Because you're so focused on day to day, and you're usually so confident that you're like, the end's not going to come for me anytime soon. I'm kicking butt. You wouldn't have got so far if you know you weren't so competitive. Mm -hmm. So. That, that mindset of thinking there's something else for me is, I think, tough. It was tough for me at the time because I'm like, I love doing this. Why would I spend more time on anything else? Because this is what I love mm -hmm. and I'll keep doing it. And, uh, but I think 
having those conversations with people like, you know, what you're doing is starting the conversation and thinking and turning people's mind onto the fact, okay, there's going to be a transition sometime in the future for me. I'm going to have to find some other passion besides sports. And very fortunate for me that occurred, you know, like I was telling Ryan, for me, when I started volunteering at Duke, you know, Duke Children's Hospital, it kind of flipped the switch for me. I really liked doing this. I could see myself doing this in the future. Mm-hmm. But at that point is in, in what capacity, you know, mm-hmm. there's, you can, there's lots of ways to be with, with people and patients and helping them. You know, there's therapists, nurses, uh, there's all types of professions, right? So um, it's having that mindset. And, and it, again, it takes somebody else guiding you in that direction. Mm-hmm. I don't think athletes, Mm-mm. at least I don't know many who just like, okay, I have plan B here and I'm going to start <laughs> committing time to it because it just doesn't work that way. No. But how, it, it needs, they need some kind of uh, direction, somebody helping them. Yeah. You need to think about this. We're not saying you need to stop playing sports, but we need to think, go, go do something else besides sports that you think you'd be passionate about and spend a little bit of time there, get a little bit of experience. The toughest thing, in my opinion, for athletes, at least um, – you know, who play college sports is they don't get the professional or life experience that a normal college student does in terms of uh, internships, mm-hmm. um, little work experience, having summers off. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, athletes get a lot of benefits mm-hmm. and I'm not saying, you know, boohoo for athletes, um, right. but there's, it's just not the same. They, we don't get all the experiences to say, I didn't like that internship. I'm, I, don't, I can't see myself in that industry. You don't get that. And that's why the transition is really difficult because you can't, it's all of a sudden you have to you know, make quick transitions. So what do I do next? And I didn't like that. And can I, you know, do I even have the time or money to go into another profession? It's just very difficult. So, you know, to your point, do they have resources? I think they do. It's just I don't think anybody's providing great guidance and even family members sometimes are very invested in their kids sports, you know, mom and dad want them to do so well. So it's hard for them to provide guidance as well. I love, I love that uh, the idea of just the sports life balance, I feel like that is a really healthy, healthy um, option to maybe find a couple other things that you enjoy. And when you ask an athlete, what do they enjoy? They're like, in sports, what else do you enjoy? What else is there? Yeah. Right. So for, for the opportunity for athletes who are higher level to, to kind of decide that, you know, I don't know what else I like, but we can try some other things until I find some other things in small increments, because I, I think just like you said, one of the biggest problems is you finish a high level athletic experience. You jump into another career because you think you're supposed to, and you don't like it, but you don't really like you said, means and time, all of a sudden you've been realizing, I don't, this doesn't bring me any satisfaction, but I knew I had to do something next. So I think having some opportunities while you're doing sports to find some other joy in life, it's a, it's a difficult thing to imagine there's something more fun than sports. I still have a hard time thinking there's something more fun than handstands, right? But, but I know that there's more things that I can enjoy as well. Maybe not to the level, but I choose to enjoy these other things too for a healthy sports life balance. I think that's a really way, a really great way to transition is at a young age for youth, especially to find that if they're doing football, also have them do a couple other things. Like you said, go volunteer somewhere, get some other exposure to things outside of just sports, because that is a big drop when you're done with a high level athletic life. 
And it's really not easy just to jump into something else and think it's going to bring you that kind of satisfaction that you're going to choose to believe that this is as fun as football. Right. So I love that. The sports life balance all along the way, part of the journey. So, so along with what Amy said, um, I'm just thinking to myself, okay, so in the sports world, you're directed to your sport. That's it. Your sport, your sport, your sport and college NFL, it just gets more intense and more intense and more intense. How do you as an individual stay true to yourself, um, to your values and to what it, you're passionate about outside the sport? Is, is there a trick or is there some advice that you could give athletes saying, hey, how did you carve time to go to the hospital and volunteer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a challenge. I think it's just being secure and being comfortable in your own shoes. I think that's really hard for a lot of people, um, you know, especially high level, really anybody, not just besides high level athletes that's got been really successful. You've been really successful. You know, you haven't experienced a ton of failures because you've just excelled and you've done really well. To me, you know, I was almost lucky to be like to fail early as a kid. And, you know, I there was one year where I didn't I made the team, but I was not the starting quarterback. And it was hard for me and just learning how to adjust to a new role Um, and little things like that. I mean, little failures where you had to learn how to cope. Um, and you learn how to be comfortable in your own shoes and deal with failure that helped me. So learning like in these really high competitive situations, like playing professional football every day, it was learning how to cope with failure. Again, going back to our first discussion is quickly learning from those mistakes and then being ready to go the next day, taking a, you know, a fresh step being, you know, taking every day, uh, as a new challenge and not tying it to anything you did yesterday. Um, that takes practice again, it takes maturity. It, you know, I think a lot of high level athletes, you know, older guys that are playing, you know, like the Tom Brady's, I'm sure still struggle with that. And obviously I don't know him or his situation, but everybody who's competitive struggles with that kind of thing. And it's just being comfortable in your own shoes every day, knowing failure is part of it. Um, but just being willing, willing to accept it's going to happen and, and ready to start afresh every day. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. Thank you. So what brings you power and confidence? Oh, good question. Power and confidence. Uh, I mean, confidence for me only comes from experience and doing the same thing over and over. It's like going into a test confident. You are not going to go in confident if you don't <laughs> put the time in and you don't know the material. The same thing for a test or competition. You are not going to feel confident if you haven't done that routine over and over and over mm-hmm. and nailed it you know, or throwing that difficult pass over and over and you just know it's going to come second nature to you when you have to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's where my confidence personally comes from, just comes from work. Um, And in terms of power, what do you mean in terms of power, in terms of? It's uh, for me, confidence and power is the same thing because I feel powerful when I am confident. So then that brings up the next question that I was thinking is, you know, you said that your confidence comes from repetitive, doing things over and over again and through experience. So as you're on the field and you have practiced different plays over and over and over and over again, and that's the way it is with life. We go through things over and over and over again, but then the actual comes to game time and the pressure's on. 
And even though you've ran that play a hundred times, it's not the same. The, you know, yeah. the opponents are different. The, the energy is different. So how do you stay focused once that pressure is on? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, one lesson, one lesson I learned from somebody, which was great. So Rex Grossman was on the team of my third year in Atlanta when I uh, was a backup there and he was with the team for training camp and he had played a long time. Um, and he was not, you know, a physically imposing guy. He, I think he's like around six foot. He's not like the most athletic guy on the team. You know, he can, he can throw the football. Obviously he's played professional football for a long time, but I, you know, I just asked him, you know, what's the key for you to play so long? Like, how did you do it? And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't saying that in a bad thing, like, how did you make it? Uh, I was just kind of like impressed by the guy. And he said, just learn how to fake it till you make it. He's like, nobody, no rookie comes in here, like knowing what to do. But some of these guys, they just make it look natural because they're so confident. And he's like, they just make it look like they're the guy, like nobody's going to question them. You just have to fake it like you're going to you're the guy, you're the person mm -hmm. picked out to make that play. And then eventually you will be that guy. Everybody's calling on you will be you're going to make it eventually. But you have to kind of put up a facade like there's a confidence there. There's, you know, like you said, power there that you might not have in yourself, but you have to put that up because everybody's relying on you. And I think the same thing goes for every, you know, I see people all the time who are, you know, quote, professionals at what they do. Um, and I'm, I can tell like this, they're probably doing this for the first time, but they're acting like they've done this a hundred times before. And nobody questions them because they look so confident doing it. And they're just like, this guy must be, not, but you know, there's just some things I'm just like, this looks like it's their first time, but they're just, you know, cool as a cucumber doing it. And I'm just like, that's the key for a lot of people who are very successful. And, you know, everybody wants to follow that type of person, right? Is they don't, hesitate for a second they just go into it confident and i think that's that's the key for a lot of successful people i think that's so, the key to failure too is that you act as if you know and when it doesn't happen you're like mm, guess that didn't work let's try this one right <laughs> so is it working i'm i'm trying i'm faking it right now is it working <laughs> no you can even you can even fake failure like when you fail you just shrug it off like that i expected that to happen i'll just you know, <laughs> you know and people do that all the time too it's it's just putting yeah. off that facade and you know, for me, confidence was, like I said, putting that repetition in. But then I learned after I spoke to him, I can do things confidently I've never done before. It's just putting mm -hmm. that facade like I've been here before. I'm, gonna, I'm confident I'll get this done. If I don't, I'll blow it off like I've failed at that before and just learn from the mistake and move on. It's the idea of who better than me to get out yep. there and do this, right? And mm -hmm. that confidence Absolutely. is a feeling instead of a, the result you're talking about is the confidence of repeated action. That's a great confidence, but there's a different confidence like you're talking about of just believing that you're the one that they that they wanted. They're yeah. calling yeah. your name because you're the you're the best one for the game. You're the best one for this position. Whether you are or aren't isn't the point. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. yeah, if it's not you, then who? I mean, right? if, if there was somebody else that could do it better than you, they probably wouldn't have asked you to do it. They, right. So if they're asking you to do it because they think you can, so you might as well do it. like be the yeah. person who steps up. And if they're not, if they're not asking you, you're putting yourself up front, say, putting yourself in front, saying as if you should have asked me. I'm the one that you mm -hmm. want to choose. So you put yourself in positions as if you are the one that they should be choosing. If they're not asking you, so that is a it's a confidence from a belief that 
whether you know what you're doing or not, you're the one that's going to figure it out. You're the one that they want there because you are willing to do anything to figure mm-hmm. something out. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, just a different belief value under, underlying the whole idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, and I think coaches and anybody appreciates that when somebody steps up and say, I want to be that person. You didn't pick me. Why didn't you pick me? How can I be the person yes. that you will pick in the future? Because obviously you didn't pick me for a reason. What is it that I need to improve on? And coaches really appreciate that. And I think anybody who wants to reach that level is going to have to ask those questions. I want to be that person. How do I get there? And I, and I am that person. You just didn't see it. So tell me what else I need to do. Yep. I love it. Yeah, I love yeah. the confidence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's bravery. It's, yeah. it's showing bravery and, and willingness to learn and being a humble, humble, um, what do you call attitude? That's the word I'm looking for is a humble attitude. And you, have you seen the movie Hitch? You've seen that movie? It's so funny because he's coaching him on the date, right? And he's like, you are already on the date. She said, yes. Why are you so nervous? You're on the date, you know? <laughs> You've already got the job. You've already played as a, you know, you are the quarterback. Why yeah. are you so nervous? You, you have the doctor, right? You're, you're the, the doctor. doctor. So, Sean, you're the doctor. Right. <laughs> exactly. You just got to have the confidence to step up. Not, not yeah. you know, and, and I think athletes get that. Most of them get a lot of people who haven't played sports sometimes, not a lot, but I've seen it, you know, where people are like, I don't, you know, why me kind of deal? Like, I don't, why did you pick me? I mean, like, you need to be picking me. I'm always the person who needs to be picked because I've always been that person. So yes, I think that's another great benefit from sports. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I can't help it. I always, I, and, and coach Ryan has heard me say this. I'm like, I feel like kind of like the donkey in Shrek that's always jumping behind being like, I'm here. I'm here. Don't forget. Pick me. Pick you. me. Pick me. <laughs> right. I don't know what I'm doing, well, but pick me. I don't know what you want, but I'm going to do it. Right. So that's a different kind of confidence. There's the confidence in knowing that you're prepared, which you started off with, Sean, is you know that you're going to be prepared prepared for the next game, for the next uh, test, for the next things, because you're willing to put in that time. That is a confidence. And then there's also the confidence of believing that who better than me to do whatever Mm -hmm. it is that's going to come up next. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thanks for the differentiation between those two. Do you have any other questions, Coach Ryan? I don't have any other questions. I mean, that is fabulous. I, I learned probably more than the two of you did. Um, any, any closing remarks, Sean, that you would have, um, have to help people? Okay. I have one more. So, Sean, I want you to share with us one of your favorite memories of your sports days because like that's living in the past, but I still love, um, we always talk about what's the biggest hurdle. What's the hardest obstacle you've gotten over, but you know what? Sometimes life is 50, 50. And sometimes we are hesitant to brag. I don't think it's bragging, but saying, you know what, not to brag, but I actually did this and it's facts. And we don't want to even talk about facts because we want to be humble, which isn't the same thing as bragging. So tell us, so in your words, not to brag, but tell us something about you, Sean. Tell me, tell you something about me, sports related. Yeah. One of your greatest highlight moments in sports that you still can replay in your head and just feel that excitement still. Oh God. Um, Really, (laughs) honestly, the little things like, you know, I I went on state and we had some success at Duke and I played in the NFL. Honestly, the, the highlights for me were like just the little things like two of my best friends to this day are my receivers from high school and spending time with them. Like, away from practice and spending you know and just running routes and just joking and spending time with your teammates was one of the best times uh but I can recall 
probably my rookie year when I was with the Atlanta Falcons, we had like a preseason scrimmage. That's, you know, it's a public game. It's open to the public. And I remember afterwards playing there and it was just at a local high school and signing autographs for kids. And they started doing fireworks and stuff. And like all these kids were around me because, you know, I, I wasn't like anything. I wasn't a starter or anything, but it, you know, I, was one of those kids one day I was like happy to get an autograph from anybody even if they were no one I was and I looked and I was like this I was one of these kids one day and now I got to be in the shoes of somebody who could play professional football and I was like so thankful and it was just a scrimmage game like it wasn't even an actual game and I was so thankful I was like I I haven't made it I was like I've never said that I made it but I was like this is such a cool experience that I got to pause for a second and say and live in the moment like I've made it to the point where I've always wanted to my whole life as a kid I thought that was so cool it wasn't like one particular game it was like after a little scrimmage we had and it was just like a really cool experience for me mm. I can't recall any like something I'm so proud of of sports it was just a little things why I like team sports uh probably more than anything is this little experiences getting to share little victories or wins with with my teammates was a lot of fun Mm. love that and I love the idea of all the little kids that you could see yourself in them which sounds like kind of your profession right now when you were volunteering you could see yeah that you could you could help somebody that you know some some kids around you and you're continuing Mm -hmm. to help people in in a different way but essentially in the same way inspiring and lifting and physically helping them but also it's always emotional too for everybody right yeah for Mm -hmm. sure absolutely that's beautiful thank you for sharing that with us well well, any other last comments before I recap our podcast for today? Um, the only the only last thing I would have, and Amy and I talked about this a little bit earlier, was just any advice to people who are transitioning into another career is, I know it's, it's going to be tough, but the only advice I would have is do only the things that you want to do that you love doing, because you're going to get pulled from all people in different directions. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. A lot of people are going to be told you should go and coach in your sport because that just makes sense, right? You've been spending all your time. You're probably an expert in that. Go do that. If that's not what you want to do, do not go do that. Do not do the things you don't want to do. Only do things that you want to do that you can see yourself doing for long periods of time. They're going to make you happy. And to tie into that, and this is going to sound funny, is be frugal doing it. Like be able to save money and that's, Money is not going to give you buy you happiness. Money is going to allow you a little bit of freedom to transition in between careers. If you're like, you find out, I don't like doing this, you can quickly transition to another one with some reserves, you know, some reserves money to do that. If you don't have any money, that is very, very difficult to do. And that's why people say, you know, don't have kids until you're, you know, having established careers because kids take time and money. You have somebody else to take care of. And I can't stress that enough. And people make fun of me all the time about how frugal I am and stuff. But I'm like, that frugality allowed me to transition from real estate to school. And school cost a lot of money to go back. But I didn't think twice about it because I saved up the money. And that was something I was willing to do was invest in myself. And I can't stress that enough to people is be willing to invest in yourself into things that you love doing because they'll eventually pay off even if they don't, you know, they're not lucrative in the short term. You'll... Mm -hmm you know, your quality of life can be much higher that way. 
Wow. I, I'm just going to back that up just a little bit because you think that you're supposed to help in the sport just because you did it. And I ended up being a USAG judge and I ended up coaching and I ended up, you know, you get sucked in once everybody knows that you have done this before and you just feel like you're obligated at that point. Sean, I'm so glad you brought that up because you just feel like you're letting everybody down once you try to get out of it, right? Right. No, and, and if that's what you love doing, go coach. Um, but if people, yeah, and, and if you love doing that, I, I hope you did, but I, I don't I, want people to feel, you know, pushed into a corner like this is all I know how to do. I must go do it. Like there's plenty of time for you to find those things. But again, it goes back to, I realize not everybody has the time or the money to do those things. But if you, if you save up and give yourself a little bit of room, you can do those things. It's the idea yeah. when you started sports, you didn't just do football. You tried all these different things. And when you end sports, you don't want to just be tied up in one thing. You want to try other careers, go try other careers. And if you're frugal, I love that suggestion. Thanks, Sean. Good point. Yeah. Well, um, that's awesome. Thank you for being on this podcast with us, Sean. I have not met you before. I know Amy has told me about you and through some of the other podcasts and adventures that you have done together. So it was an honor for me to meet you. I texted my kids. I'm like, I'm going to be talking to an NFL player in about 10 minutes. And they all text me back. They're like, oh, we want to watch. And I was like, well, I'll show you later. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as we reflect on um, everything that we've talked about today, I just wanted to remind everybody of some of the things that Sean talked about. Um, one of the things that I love this at the beginning of our conversation, he said to reflect and then move on quickly. Um, learn what you needed to learn. Don't, don't, don't dwell in it and just move on. Uh, that was one of the things that I'm going to start to do a little bit better. And then remembering that sports may or may not be your calling. You have a whole future ahead of you after sports. Balancing your life between sports, family, friends. And that goes into the next point is your time is the most valuable thing you have. And honor your time and be able to balance it according to what you need to take care of you having the confidence that you need to be that donkey in the back in Shrek, pick me, pick me. And, and using that confidence to do whatever you need to do. If you need to fake it till you make it, then do that, but have the confidence for that. And then lastly, the thing that he just had just was talking about is do what you love, find something you love and do it. And if it's the sports, great. Once the sports are over, find something else that you have passionate about and dive into it with both feet in and just go for it 100%. And those are the few things that I took away from this podcast. Hopefully you were able to take away more than that. Um, I am Coach Ryan and I'm here with Coach Amy and Sean. We wanna thank Sean again for being here. This is Athletes Mindset Academy and we are signing off for now. And if you wanna know any more, you can go to athletesmindsetacademy.com. Thank you for coming. And we wish you a very, very good, good night and evening. Um, Thanks for having me, Amy and Ryan. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We believe that you've got this, but we would love to help you in your athletic journey. We know you need to get maximum results in the shortest time possible. So we've created a program with short, effective lessons and coaching that you can fit between practice and the rest of life. We coach parents, coaches, and athletes in the mental and emotional health tools they need to create an environment for athletes to thrive. 
Invest in the one thing that will have the greatest impact on your success, your mind. Check us out at athletesmindsetacademy.com. Let's do this.